0: I just thinking, uh, living with Jesus now, and one of our members graduated to heaven this last week, and uh, it's so good to to be able to sing a song like that and to know of the truth that heaven is your home. Amen? Amen? Wouldn't it be horrible to be here, and especially it'd be so terrible to get a diagnosis from a doctor that we've done all that we can do and know that you're about to leave this world and not have a hope of heaven. If you're you're here today and that describes you, I want you to know there's something that you can do about that. You can change that today. Please open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20, and I want you to bear with me for a few minutes before I actually get to my message, because I'm going to do something that might seem... Uh, a bit odd. Of course, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be odd, would it? Huh? Yeah. You say, well, that's normal for you. Well, a few months ago, I started preaching a series of messages entitled "What Jesus Said." What Jesus said. I think my memory serves me right that we've we've considered thirteen of those things. And uh, from the beginning, I had no idea how much I would try to cover or where and when I might stop, but I did know exactly what I hoped to accomplish. The purpose of the series was to simply show the importance of us listening to what God says, and I got to tell you, most folks aren't very good at that. You know, it's real easy for people to come in to sit down and to and to stare at you for thirty minutes, and to be respectful and so forth, but to really listen to what Jesus said is uh, is something else altogether different. And to make my point, I tried to I tried to just sort of hit the highlights of the things that Jesus said, hoping that would get your attention. I started out talking about a question from the one with all of the answers. Uh, The next message was simply what Jesus said. The next message was the kingdom of God. I talked about the Messiah's ministry, what Jesus said to Satan, what Jesus said about the new birth, what Jesus said to his disciples, what Jesus said about our attitude, what Jesus said about our influence, what Jesus said about the harvest, what Jesus said about the best place to live, about being blessed. And then last week, I spoke to you about what Jesus said about the unusual. Doing, expecting even, the unusual. And that's what I'm going to do this morning is the unusual because, uh, and I hope the shock effect of it will make uh, a lasting impression if nothing else does. I'm going to end that series. Now, you realize that there is much more that could be said And hopefully I'll spend the rest of my life teaching about things Jesus said. I mean, if I'm not going to do that, I might as well just quit, resign, retire, get out. Might as well die if I'm not going to talk about what Jesus said. Because that's the only thing worth really talking about. But I hope you'll spend the rest of your life listening to to what Jesus said and believe me you cannot afford to do otherwise your greatest danger is turning a deaf ear to the things that Jesus has said and uh, I want to I want to wrap up that series but I want to take you on a journey this morning back back to a time after Jesus went back to heaven a time when the apostle paul spoke of exactly what I've been talking about. Acts chapter 20, notice verse 35. Paul said, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I don't have time to deal with it, but let me tell you, Paul practiced what he preached. He practiced what he preached. He could set himself up as an example of what he was talking about. And instead of doing that, he actually appeals to a higher example. He appeals to the Lord Jesus Christ himself and says, this is what Jesus said. In other words, this is what you are to base your conclusions on and your decisions upon what Jesus said. Now, let me give you the context here because this might be unfamiliar territory for someone. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. There he knows, and the Lord's revealed to him, that he's going to be arrested, he's going to be falsely accused, he's going to be in prison. So he knows there, there are hardships ahead. And he said, on the seashore meeting with the elders from the church at Ephesus. That was a church he dearly loved. These were men that he dearly loved. With tears in their eyes, they begged him not to go. But he realized that was an important part of the mission that God had given to him. So he expressed his concern for the church there. He said there are going to be false teachers that are going to come in. There are going to be those that will try to destroy the church. And then he encouraged these men, these elders, to remain faithful to the Lord. And I think of all of the things that he said to them, this just might be the most important. Because what he did was to remind them of what Jesus said. Said. And by the way, whether the subject is giving or whatever it is, their duty was the same. Their duty was to deliver to others, declare to others what the Lord had delivered to them. Remember, he says, what Jesus said, and he's emphasizing that's the message that you are to deliver to the church. That's the message they need. That's the message that will do away with the false teachers. And, and, and so it's my job, it's my job to do exactly the same thing. And, 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 and by the way, I, and I want it to be as simple as it possibly can, you know, for some of us that you know have very limited understanding and talent and what have you, that's easier for some than others. But there are a lot of times I think we talk over the head of some people, assuming that they that they already know what we've learned, and consequently we use religious jargon that they can't understand. You know, we can get up and talk about the sanctification and justification, and a lot of times we just literally talk over people. But I want you to know this is going to be as down to earth as it possibly can be. There's three things this morning, three things that I want you to consider. First of all, notice the requirement. He says here, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Now that's not our only requirement, right? We've got more responsibilities than that, obviously, right? I mean some of you got a responsibility to get up in the morning and go to work, whether you like it or not. You have a responsibility to do that. We have other responsibilities. You know, sometimes, you know, we think about our religious obligations and how important they are. And we talk about, for example, that, you know, that prayer is is so very important. Well, it is, but if you've got a busted water pipe, you need a plumber. You don't need the preacher come pray for you. You need somebody to fix the water pipe. And, And so, what I'm saying is, this is not our only requirement. Understand that. We have many responsibilities, but this one relates to all of the other responsibilities. You need to get a hold of that this morning. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Because He had something to say about everything, whether by precept or by principle. He addressed every issue you will ever face in life. And you need to remember what He said. We're obligated to know what He said we're obligated to do what he said, and to forget is a grave mistake on our part. The problem is, and I think we're all guilty to some extent, we tend to pick and to choose what we want to remember about the teachings of Jesus, don't we? Sure we do. There are a lot of folks that remember the Bible says, you know, that we should not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. They do that. They remember what the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10 about bringing the tithe to the Lord, and so they remember that. They remember a lot of those things, but then there are others. Boy, that's a sermon to itself. I won't even go there, but there are those other things they don't want to think about. I'm, I am just feel like I wish somebody would dare me to go on. But don't do it. Don't do it. You, you'd regret that. But, but I'm telling you, I can name some things you don't want to think about this morning, and yet there are things that Jesus said, things that are important, and you don't want to think about those things because you want to pick and choose what you decide is important in your life. And you know, I think just maybe... That's why the Holy Spirit led Paul to do what? To use giving as an example. Because this is probably, this is probably one of the most forgotten subjects by most people. Now, I know we've got folks here, you love the Lord, you give with a generous heart, and you give cheerfully unto the Lord. I realize that. But overall, generally speaking, you and I both know the average person resents the thought of giving to the Lord, they really do. There are those that uh, that absolutely are not going to let go of their dollar and put it in the offering plate. They they just ignore that part of what the Bible teaches. They ignore it in spite of the fact that the Bible says, in doing so, they are robbing God. What do you think about a church member that rob a bank? Wouldn't that be awful? I mean, you turn the TV on some morning and it says, oh, uh Brock arrested for robbing the bank. There's his picture. I mean, they've got him dead to rights. It's him. There's no doubt about it. He just got through robbing the bank. We think, my land, what in the world has happened to him? Has he lost his mind? I never thought he'd do something like that. You know, and we put that on our list of bad things to do, Right? But I'm telling you, I'd rather rob a bank than rob God. Amen? I don't think y'all do either one, by the way. (laughs) Let me tell you something else. Not Not only do we rob God, we bring a curse upon ourselves. Somebody says, well, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why God let me get in the mess I'm in. Well, I do. Now, not all of the time. I'm talking about those obvious times of people that pick and choose what they want to obey and ignore certain things in the Bible and what it teaches. They just act like that doesn't even exist, and then they wonder, they wonder why, and wring their hands, and, and what am I going to do now? Well. Maybe you should have thought about what Jesus said and you wouldn't be in that case. So I'm just suggesting it might be that the Spirit of God said, Paul, I want you to really illustrate the importance of doing what Jesus said by speaking to them about this matter of giving. And so that's what the subject is. But whether the subject is giving or not, whatever it is, folks, we need to remember what Jesus said. Whether it's a command, well, listen to that, right? It might not be a command. It might be counsel from the Lord. It might be a declaration from the Lord, doesn't require anything for us to do. It's just a declaration of information that God wants us to know. And we need to listen to that. It might be a prophecy that the Lord has given. It might be a promise that God has given. We're not even very good at claiming the promises of God. You say, well, how do you know? Because we worry too much. We wouldn't worry near as much if we claimed the promises that God had given, if we would remember those promises It would help us through those tough times. We need to remember what Jesus said about the promises and the commands and the counsel and all of these other things. And especially about the warnings that He extended. Well, whenever He gives a warning, I'm telling you what, He means what He says. Back whenever I was growing up, you know, and back in... Uh, well, back in the day, I'll, somebody I heard a song the other day is talking, going down the road and talking about the black leather jacket with the eagle on the back, and I thought, oh Lord, that was, that was the day that I that I lived in back then, the greasers and so forth. And there have been a lot of times, and I I was guilty of it. A lot of other people. And that a lot of times of being guilty, you know, you would make a threat hoping to bluff somebody, to make them think you were tougher than you actually were. And you just hoped and prayed they don't take you up on it. You know, you'd threaten, look, you don't do this or that. I'm going to punch you out or whatever, you know. And uh, let me tell you, when God makes a threat, when God gives a warning, it's not an idle threat. When God gives a warning, you better believe He's big enough to back it up. Amen? So the requirement for all of us is to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Now, if you want to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that means you're going to have to open the Bible, right? Because He's not speaking in an audible voice today. Uh, You know... uh, Kind of like the woman that talked about just everything she did. The Lord guided her. And so she went to church one Sunday, and she had one shoe on and one shoe off. And they asked her, "Why? how come you only got one shoe? She said, well, I got up this morning. I prayed about what the Lord had me to do. And he said, put the right shoe on. And said, yeah, I prayed, you know, what should I do next? And he never did tell me, so i just come with one shoe. You know, <laughs> I'm telling you, if you're depending on some audible voice to guide you, you're going to get yourself in a heap of trouble. He's already spoken, and right here it is. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. That's the requirement. But notice the reason. He said. He said. I colored that in yellow. I underlined that in my Bible. He said. Now, just as there... There is more than one requirement. There's more than one reason why we need to remember the words of the Lord. But none of them are as important as this one. In just a little bit, we're going to see that there is a reward for doing this. But I'm telling you that that that's not the primary motivation. The primary motivation is based on the fact that He said, well, who is He? Notice, the Lord Jesus. He's the Lord. He said, and I'm saying we shouldn't need any other reason to remember what He said because He is the Lord. He's the Lord. He is our Master. He has absolute authority over heaven and earth. He is Lord. He is Master. We're even commanded by our Heavenly Father. To put it in his own words, hear ye him. Amen. Then we're, we were advised by his mother, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. You'll never hear any better advice than that. Whatever he says unto you, you do it. He is Lord. Listen, he's not just Lord. He's your Redeemer. He is the one that purchased you. You belong to him. And he has the right to confiscate your life, as it were. He has the right to claim, to claim you, to impose standards upon you, to require certain works of you. And we have absolutely no right to call Him our Savior if we don't acknowledge Him as our Lord. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? He said, that's why we ought to fulfill our responsibility. And the responsibility is what? Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. That, by the way, that means more than just putting them in the file cabinet of your mind, just being able to quote them. You can teach a parrot to do that. Right? So just because you can quote a verse of Scripture doesn't remember that you've really got them. When it talks about remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, it implies more than just you know, having it in your mind. It implies a manner of life, the attitude we have toward what He says. What He says is true. In every instance, it's true. It's not just true. It's tremendous. It's thrilling. It's timeless. What he says is more important than anything you'll ever read or see or hear anywhere else. And the requirement is that you remember what he said. And the reason is because he said it. Now notice the reward. Blessed. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now I want you to listen carefully because there's something here you might have missed something that generally gets totally overlooked in this. When Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive, that raises another issue that needs to be remembered. It is blessed to receive. He said, now it's more blessed to give, but that doesn't mean it's not blessed to receive. You know, most of us, we love to sing that song, Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. You know, that that's what we ought to do. We ought to do that every day of our life. We need to think about the blessings of the Lord. And it's hard to imagine anything greater than the blessings of the Lord, the things that we have received from God. And it might be that in receiving those things from God that He used some friend or some relative, some other person. He used them. He put them in our life. He brought us together. He made a connection, and He used them in a way to be a blessing to us. But He gets all of the credit for it because He was the one behind it. He he brought us together. And as I thought last week about those that we mentioned and many more that we could have mentioned, that have already gone to be with the Lord, isn't it wonderful to look back and say, I am so thankful that God caused our paths to cross. I'm glad that God enabled us to have that, that connection, to have the experience of being a, a friend uh, uh, of, that, of that particular person. Uh, it's hard to imagine anything greater than the many blessings that we've received of the Lord, right? Because I said, let's start counting our blessings. Uh, If I I said, what's the most wonderful thing in, in your life? You know, here we start counting our blessings. We receive this and we receive that. And then I read this, and Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now I want to tell you, if anybody else had said that, I wouldn't believe them. I wouldn't. Brother Ron comes to me and he said, hey, "Brother, it's more blessed to give than to receive." I'd said, "No, you got it wrong. All of the blessings I receive of the Lord—that's a much greater blessing than than giving." As much as I love Brother Ron, I I, I I wouldn't accept that at face value. But Jesus said, are you with me? Are you listening? I mean, what more blessed to give than it is to receive, He said it is. And because He said that, and He can't lie, then I've got to accept that as the truth. Have you ever noticed how that our interest in giving uh, or maybe other hard things in life how it changes when we bring the matter of reward into the picture because let's face it there are those that that would never give a penny or never do anything for any other reason except for the fact that they're reading the bible great is your reward in heaven they read in the Bible, the Lord says, You bring the tithes and the offerings, I'll pour out a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. I'll open the windows of heaven and so forth. And they begin to read that and think, you know, hey, that might be a pretty good compensation. I, I think I'll give it a try. I've heard people use that exact terminology. Well, I think I'll try tithing. I, I mean, you know, a, after all, I my, my never have enough money for anything. I think I'll try tithing. The amazing thing about this is it's as though God says, put me to the test. You do it for the right reason, because you love the Lord, and you do it out of obedience to the Lord. I mean, for the right reason. God says, put me to the test. Just try me. See if I won't keep my word. He's never broke a promise yet. But here, notice, the blessing is attached to the subject of giving. And I want you to understand that exact same thing is true of every act of obedience. What makes you think giving is more important than anything else? That just happened to be the example that he gave, the illustration that he uses. When he said it's more blessed to give than to receive, that's not true just in regards to giving. That's true in regards to every act of obedience, everything you render unto the Lord. It's better that we remember what Jesus said, that we do what Jesus said. That's better than, than what we receive. Sometimes people get so worried about what they might have to give up to follow Christ. Talked to a guy in Kansas City, Missouri several years ago during a revival meeting and he acknowledged the fact that he was lost. He admitted that he needed to become a Christian. He even expressed his intention of someday becoming a Christian but he said, I can't do that right now because he said, if I become a Christian, I've got to quit drinking beer, and I don't want to quit drinking beer. Boy, I don't leave you scratching your head. Are you kidding me? But I'm telling you, a lot of folks are worried about what they've got to give up. And consequently, they rob themselves of what they could have received. What they don't understand is that the Lord the Lord wants you, not your stuff. It's like you think all He wants is to get your money out of your bank account. That's all He cares about. No, He wants you. Because if He gets you, He'll have everything else. But if you didn't have anything, no talent, no money... If you had absolutely nothing whatsoever to offer the kingdom of God, He wants you because He loves you. You know why He wants you? He wants you because of what He can do for you. You, what, what can you do for the Lord? He does. He doesn't need our money. He owns the cattle on the thousand hills. He owns the hills. He he owns it all. He he doesn't need us. But we need Him. And He wants you because of what He wants to do for you and what He wants to do with you. He made it clear to Abraham, boy, this is a picture, I think, for all of us Whenever he tells Abraham, I want you to go into a land that I'm going to show you, I want you to do what I tell you to do, and so forth. And he says, Out of your loins, I'm going to raise up a great and a mighty nation that will bear witness to me among all of the Gentiles. In other words, Abraham, I want to use you. But here's what he said. He said, I want to bless you. And I want to make you a blessing. You see, we are blessed to bless. Remember, the words of the Lord Jesus. Not just what He said about giving. Not just what He said about witnessing. Not what He said just about, you know, any particular thing, but what He said. Everything that He said. And let me tell you, in the light of of all of the different things Jesus has said, there's no question about what Jesus wants from you. He wants you. There's no question about that. The only question this morning is, what do you want? What What do you want? You Be careful now how you answer. Because your answer ought to be based upon your need, not upon your desire. You see, a lot of times our desires and our need are worlds apart. What do you want out of life? Well, it gets back to what you really need. And if God gave you your every desire, I mean, He's granted you that wish. He said, okay, for the next 30 days, whatever you desire, I'm going to give that to you. You would still be miserable. That wouldn't make you happy. It would be, You would be miserable until, first of all, your deepest need is met. Do you know what that need is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's what we need most. And I can say that without any hesitation because He's the only one that can give you everything you need. Yes. Amen. He's the only one that can give you forgiveness of sin. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, that's what I wanted. I wasn't thinking about heaven and hell nearly so much as I was thinking about what a rotten person I was and the horrible things I had done and the need I had of forgiveness. And I read that He was willing to forgive me and, and, and I trusted Him. He's the only one that can give you forgiveness of sin or victory over the world of the flesh and the devil. I was hoping and praying that whenever He saved me, He'd get me out of the bars and the honky-tonks because I couldn't get out. I was trapped in those dirty, rotten, filthy places. I couldn't get out. I couldn't become the husband I needed to be or the father that I needed to be. But the Lord gave me the need of my life, victory over the world and the flesh and the the devil, deliverance from the condemnation of God's wrath that was against me, an escape from hell, a hope of heaven. The power to resist temptation, to overcome trials, and the list goes on and on. A love that passeth knowledge, a peace that passeth all understanding, joy unspeakable and full of glory, and a hope that's steadfast and sure, and on and on and on. I'm telling you, all of those things that are the most important things, the things you need most, there's only one source, and that's Jesus Christ. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He is what you need this morning. And there's only one way that you can receive what you need, and that is by receiving Him as your Lord and your Savior. Will you trust Him this morning? You say, well, I've already trusted Him as my as my." As my Savior, you need listen, you need to follow Him and acknowledge that He is the Lord of your life and to do those things that He has commanded. Embrace the promises that He has given. Trust Him to do what He said that He would do. I said at the beginning, I knew when I started this series what I hoped to accomplish, and that was to impress upon your hearts the importance of remembering what jesus said of really listening to what god wants in our life the service this morning and in fact tim and i talked and and it is really amazing we discovered we had been thinking about the same thing and so let me tell you i'm saying all that to say this the service is going to be different uh for the next few weeks anyway, and maybe permanently we're not going to do things as we did. You want the announcements, you can get them out of the bulletin. I'll mention just a few prayer requests and what have you, and that's going to be it. You know why? Because so many times we come in here and we sit down and we get to talking about so many other different things, important things, important things, by the way. But we get... Talking about all of those things to the point that we allow our mind to be distracted from what is really most important. And, and and with God's help, I want us to keep our focus on Him and listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. What is He saying to you this morning? Whatever it is, whatever it is, you need to give in, give up and let him have his way while we stand together. Father, we thank you this morning for your many great blessings for all of the promises that you have given. And Lord, we just pray you'll forgive us and help us with our our selfish, stubborn attitude of how so many times that we don't want to take our hands off of our life. We don't want to let go. We don't want to give in. We don't want to trust you. We just Well, we just want to keep trying to fulfill our desires. And it seems like we never learn the lesson that it's impossible. But Lord, this morning, I pray you'll impress upon our heart that the only way that our greatest desire can be met is for the greatest need of our life to be found in the person of Christ. And Heavenly Father, if there's someone here today that's never received Christ as their Savior, I pray that before they leave this building, they'll do so. And Heavenly Father, for those that have been saved, but it might be that they've been living in rebellion against you, they've been picking and choosing what parts of the Bible they want to obey. Instead of listening to everything you said, they've been listening to others or doing what feels good to their flesh. May we this morning start listening to You. May we repent of our sins and turn to You with our whole heart. For we beg it in Jesus' dear name. Amen.